Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Here, Toronto. That's awesome. Welcome, everybody. Uh, you got your time changed. Pretty good. I'll just get the pulpit up here. Can someone help me? My hands are full. Someone over there? So glad you're all here this morning. I have a word that has been stirring in my heart for a long, long time, and um, so I'm really great to share it. Welcome to church. And um, I'm always just telling my my father-in-law, who's living with me there, I said, you know, that I said, Sunday we go to church. That's what we do. We need a place that we can come and hear the word of the Lord and worship together. We, um, I grew up in a, in a church in a small town in northern Saskatchewan. And um, uh, is mom here? My mom's coming. From She's not here yet. She's not, where is she? She should be in church. <laughs> um, we used to sing a lot of songs. Uh, really hymns were about the Lord's second coming. And um, some of you may have grown up in a church like that. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. And his glory breaks eternal bright and fair. Anybody heard that one before? And the saints of earth will gather over on the other shore. And the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Um, there's songs about that offer us hope. Uh, recently, we've had a few other songs. Uh, Mercy Me did one called Imagine, I Can Only Imagine. And um, so these next two weeks, I want to talk about heaven, our great hope, which is really our true home. And I want to try and unravel a couple of things that have been um, maybe complicated for some. As you read through Scripture, it's always um, it requires the Holy Spirit to teach you. And, um, and I really think that uh, the Lord's going to encourage us today. He's really encouraged me. I don't know if you're like this or not, but sometimes when I read through the scriptures, I'll, uh, I'll just have to put it down and go, wow. It's like I've been transported to another reality, to another place. And that's what happened to me so many times in this last four or five weeks when I've been studying about heaven. And many times I've had to just put my Bible down because of the emotion that overcame me of thinking about heaven. Uh, there, there's a number of um, different scriptures that I'm going to be referring to. You maybe just get your pencil and papers out or your devices to take notes. I'm going to share lots of scripture. And what's really important, we need to be known as a church that, that not only values but declares the truth. And, and it's my hope that whenever something is taught that we take those things that are taught and we hold them up to the light of Scripture and we settle in our own hearts that this is the word of the Lord. It's not enough that God is trying to speak to me and through me. It's really important that you are able to take what's said from this pulpit home and search through the Scriptures for yourself and find out, is this, is this what the Lord is saying to us? And I've had a lot of um, different different passages recently. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, it says this, since you have been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. 
The other one I want to share is Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 16 where it says, this confident or this hope is like a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls and it leads us through the curtain of heaven into God's inner sanctuary. When we get a clear and a fresh vision of heaven and we're able to not just set our sights but set our thoughts and imaginations on heaven, it actually anchors us. I'm not sure what anchors your soul. But your a hope of heaven can anchor your soul. A hope that there isn't some place that's far better than this that is waiting for us. And that's what I want to talk about today. So let's just pray as we start. Father, I thank you that your word has authority to speak to our hearts. And today I thank you that it will speak to me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, so... Biblical grounds of disagreement would not be, I have never heard this before. Biblical grounds of disagreement would not be, I've never, they never taught that in my last church. Biblical grounds of disagreement come from you taking an honest, open read of the text themselves and that you sort them out. <laughs> we are going to hear some new things, I think, and I want you to be willing to go home and sort them out yourself. Heaven, our eternal hope. Since you have been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Heaven is a reality. And since we are been raised to new life in Christ, we're to set our sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at God's right hand in a place of honor and power. I want you to turn to Hebrew, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to read from verse 19, first of all. He's talking about the resurrection from the dead. And he says that if, if we have hope in Christ only for this life, we are the most miserable people in the world. We have hope for far beyond this life. If, we're only, if we only hope for, the, in, in, for this life, we're miserable. But the fact is that Christ has been raised from the dead and he has become the first of a great harvest of those who be, will be raised to life again. You should read chapter 15 through of, about four times. It's, it's phenomenal. And, um, and, and he goes on to talk about the first and the last Adam throughout there. And then this resurrection body, verse 21. But somebody might ask, well, how will the dead be raised again? What kind of bodies will we have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed in the ground, it doesn't grow into the plant unless it first dies. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a dry little seed. He says that what's put in the ground, what's planted, you know when you plant a wheat seed, you don't get a wheat seed back, you get a stalk of wheat. Something comes different out of that seed. And when, when this life, physical life ends, we become, we, 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 we're changed into something a little different. This is phenomenal for me. And you read the rest of it, it's, it's really special. There's bodies in heaven, there's bodies on the earth. The glory of heavenly bodies is different from the beauty of earthly bodies. Um, then it says, in the same way for the resurrection of the dead, our earthly bodies, which die and decay, will be different when they are resurrected, for they will never die. Our bodies now disappoint us. I know. <clears throat> they disappoint us. But, then, but when they are raised, they'll be full of glory. They are weak now, but then they'll, when they are raised, they'll be full of power. 
They are natural bodies now, but when they are raised, they will be spiritual bodies. Just as there are natural bodies, so also there are spiritual bodies. That is a mind-blowing text. You've got a physical body, but there's also a spiritual body. This is amazing to me. John Eldridge wrote a new book. I read about four books on heaven. John Eldridge's book called um, All, uh, All Things New or something. He, he quotes in there, Christianity is supposed to be the triumphant entry of an astonishing hope breaking into hu human history. Hope, by definition, is the confident expectation and anticipation that good is coming. At last Easter, I tried to answer two questions. What will heaven be like and what will we be like? It says in 1 Corinthians 13 that there are three virtues that will remain forever. Faith, hope, and love. Here's what I can assure you of. Eternity will be filled with faith, hope, and love. They are virtues that last forever to begin with. Life without hope is a dark cave. Without love, it's not worth living. And without faith, it doesn't have any meaning. So he says this can be an anchor for our soul. Jesus said in John 15, don't let your hearts get troubled. Because I'm going to prepare <clears throat> a place for you. Jesus keeps his word, right? And he's went to prepare a place for us. You mean this is not our eternal home? No. This is a very temporal, momentary place. But he has went to prepare a place for us. That we may, ha we may be able to have something to look forward to. I think this is important for us. And I think it's important for us today. In 1952, Florence Chittick was swimming from the Catalina coast of California to shore, and she jumped into, back into the boat when she was only half a mile from the shore. And they said, why did you jump in when you're only half a mile from the shore? She said, well, all I could see was fog. All I could see was just fog. But if I could have seen the shore, I would have kept swimming. I would have made it. When we have a hope of eternity, it keeps us going. It anchors our soul. And so this is wonderful for me, and I believe that the word of the Lord is for us to understand this better. If we have hope in Christ only for this life, then we are the most miserable of people. He says that there was an order. If you read in verse 23, Christ is raised first, and when he returns, his people are raised with him. As Christ is, so are we. So what was he like after the resurrection? That's what we will be like. And this is mind-blowing. How can we know? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, it says that he has prepared some things for us. He says, eye has not seen and ear hasn't heard nor has even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed it by his spirit. When I read through scripture and I read about heaven, uh, all I get, all you see many times is vague images of heaven. You get metaphors and you get pieces. And here's what we have to do. We have to be people of the Spirit because He's revealed what He's prepared for us by His Spirit. And may the Lord give us eyes to see what He has prepared for those who love Him today. May He give us a fresh revelation of all of those things that He's prepared for us. All right, so we can finish that scripture, but he has prepared it for, uh, he has revealed it by his spirit. Did you know that on an average, people check their phones 110 times a day? I know, yeah, well, it's for some more. It's funny, I know. 
But here's what I think we look for. I think we look for good news. Hey, what's somebody saying? Because I wonder if it's something, I don't want to miss something. I know you get a little dopamine hit when you answer your phone or you see somebody just liked one of your texts and we think that they really like us, but they don't. It's all virtual weirdness. But I, here's, what here's what people are looking for. They're looking for a hope. And they're looking for good news. And here's what I'm going to share with you today. I'm going to share about the good news. So Colossians says, set your hearts or your affections on things above. He's not referring to the trees. He's not referring to the stars. He's referring to eternity. Set your affection, set your hearts on things above. And I, I believe that heaven needs to fill our hearts. Because he goes on to say, where do we set our affections? It's specifically, it's where Christ sits at the right hand in a place of honor and power. I think it's very important to have a clear vision of Christ, who he is, where he's seated, and what he's accomplished for you and I. Here's a big question. Will I live forever in heaven? Well, this all depends on what you mean by heaven. We need to differentiate between the present heaven and the eternal heaven. Scripture reveals actually that there's more than one heaven. Look it up. There's clearly an intermediate state and, 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 and an internal state. There's an intermediate state right now. I don't know if your kids ever asked you, like, where'd grandma go anyway? Stuff like that. Well, there's an intermediate state that we call heaven. Another term for that would be paradise. When Jesus was on the cross, he said to one of the thieves, today you'll be with me in paradise. There's a place that he's prepared. But there's another place, an eternal place, where we will live forever. So I'm not, I want to move from that state, and, and this, I want to I bypass the millennial reign, the thousand years. I want to pass this, step past the second coming. And I want us to go and talk about the eternal state. That's what I'm talking about. The Bible indicates a temporary or a transitional state that Jesus is prepared for us. So what exactly was he referring to? Here, here's what we have to understand. We have to accept that only God is eternal and self-existent. Everything else is created, including the enemy. Heaven is not part of his being. It must be created. So truly heaven is a location, a very real location. And there is a place we go while a new place is being prepared for us. There's a place that we're held prior to our bodily re resurrection. And that's what we read from 1 Corinthians. It says every human has a certain, has a physical body, but there is another body that awaits us. Someday we will be like Christ. I don't know if you've noticed we're not quite like him yet enough. But someday we'll be like the heavenly man. Someday. And this should give us hope. Um, will we live forever in heaven? Well, not the current one. Will we be with the Lord? Absolutely. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Where is it? Is it in the sky? Sometimes we get little glimpses. In Acts chapter 7, a man named Stephen was being stoned. 
And I say, he said, I see heaven open. Sometimes we get glimpses of the current heaven. And he was able to see where Christ was seated at that time. I've never been able to see that. And I just, I'm going to say, I've never been stoned. Well, in those days, it was different. <laughs> so some FAQs of heaven, um, just, just some interesting things. What will we be like? Well, we're going to be the same but different. That doesn't help too much, likely. We're going to be different. We're going to have an upgraded body. Um, it's not really clear, but... But I am ready for a new body. Paul said our citizenship is in heaven. That's where our citizenship actually is held. Uh, when I read accounts from Scripture, you can't help but come up with some questions. In Luke chapter, um, the end, towards the end of Luke, I think it's verse 20, or chapter 24, he says, Jesus appeared to them. And he said the whole group was terribly frightened, <clears throat> thought they saw a ghost. Why are you frightened, he said. Why do you doubt who I am? Look at my hands and look at my feet. So our future body is going to have hands and feet. That should be no surprise. Look at my hands and look at my feet. You can see it's really me. He's not a different person. My eternal state, my, I'll be named Lorne in heaven. But I'm going to get a different name as well. If you... You're, he said, it's really me. It was really Jesus, but it was different. He was in a different dimension. So it was really him. He said, he goes on to say, touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have body as you see that I do. He has a body. This is it. You and I are going to have bodies and we're going to have names. I'm going to, here's, what, here's, what, here's what's going to happen in heaven. Those who had earthly names that were given by their parents, they will be recognized by those names. How do I know that? If you read in Gen uh, Revelation, he says that there is names written in the book of life. In chapter uh, 20, this is, he says, and those whose name was, was found, was not in the book, whose name was not found in the book, recorded in the book of life, was thrown into the fire. A uh, little further on in chapter 21 and verse 12, it says the walls were broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels and the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Are they heavenly names or are they earthly names? They were earthly names. Later on in verse chapter 21 and verse 27, <clears throat> talking about the eternal state, no evil will be allowed to enter. No one who practices idolatry or dishonesty, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Today I can say to you with great confidence, the name Lauren Tebbit is written in the Lamb's book of life. You can have assurance of eternity. If you don't have assurance, this morning we invite you to come forward and be prayed for that you be assured of your citizenship in heaven. So what's it going to be like? It's going to be, you will be you. You won't be somebody else. You're going to be you. Your identity and your history will be, will be you. Jesus said, it's really me. It wasn't somebody else. When you end up in heaven, your eternal state, it's going to really be you. Well, that's a wonderful thing for those of you who like yourselves. But here's what happened. One of the books I read was by Peter Kraft, Kraft on Heaven. And, he, and the, the question, how did the question go again? I only wrote the last part. We'll be, how will we be known in heaven or how will we recognize our friends? Here's the truth, folks. You will only truly be known in heaven 
you'll only truly know your friends and your family in heaven. You're only known right now after, uh, in, in, in forms of fallenness and forms of brokenness and forms of sinfulness and our hiding and, and, and our personalities. But then we'll be truly known. That shouldn't frighten us. This is a wonderful hope. And the odd one is excited about that. <laughs> Chapter 66 of Isaiah. And here I'm going to try and help, help us sort out just a couple things about the new heaven and the new earth. Chapter 65 of Isaiah. Look, I'm creating new heavens and a new earth so wonderful that no one will even think about the old ones anymore. He's creating a brand new, a brand new place, but we're still going to enjoy it. I want, what are we going to do in heaven? Uh, next week, I want to talk about things we'll do in heaven. Heaven is going to be the most fascinating place ever. The, he, he refers to the food, the feast and the food. We have never eaten food that's been uncontaminated by sin. The, the, the earth has lived under a curse. But we will have food that's been untouched by the fall and by curse. Both our palates and our taste buds were injured in the fall, as were all food sources. Need I remind us that food is not just functional. Did you notice that? Otherwise, you'd put that steak and carrots and potatoes in the blender and drink it. Who does that? No, it's, it's much more than that, isn't it? What is, what is, what is the deal? With food, it's more than just function. It has to do with socializing. And be, this is why there's so much talk about feasts in heaven. Because of the, the interaction that will take place. I sometimes think about when we're preparing uh, for, enter, we love to have people over. And don't you love it when you've made a meal and people walk in and they say, oh, it smells great in here. That, because it's not just about the food. It's about what you do around the food. This, you, you, you understand, like this wedding, the, the, this great wedding feast in heaven is going to be something. And it's going to be real food. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, I'm not going to drink wine again with you until I'm in my new kingdom. And it says in Isaiah that we're actually going to eat meats and have aged wine. I, you know, we have, we have juice. We've had, we continue to have juice. Jesus went and turned water into wine. We're tur we turn the wine back into water. I, the, the, I remember we were serving wine once at a communion, and our kids said, no, nah, I don't want any more. I don't want any more. That's terrible stuff. And so we're doing juice. We're going to be, he's going to drink wine with us. How is that even going to work? Doesn't wine, isn't it fermentation part of the fall? I don't, I don't know how that's going to work. But he's going to have a feast, and the feast is going to go on and on and on, and I don't think we'll be able to see the end of the table. But there's going to be a moment during that feast, and, and somebody's going to say, oh, just a, just a minute. Abraham wants to tell a story. And then there'll be a hush, and he'll tell about the miracles that took place. And then somebody will say, just, just a minute, there's somebody else has something to say. And David will tell the real story about Goliath. And then there'll be a little embarrassment as a couple named Adam and Eve walk between the crowd. They go, oh gosh. You see, you see, the food is about the, 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 it's about the hospitality. This is fantastic. I'm just so excited. Uh, Psalm 78 talks about the bread of angels. In Revelation chapter 2, it says, I'm going to eat of the new manna. 
Friends, we're going to eat and drink in heaven. And it's going to be wonderful. Don't ask me about bodily waste. I don't have a clue. But there's going to be food in heaven. Why else, why do you, why else do you think that there's the tree of life there? You think just to look at? No, we're going to partake of the tree of life. There was one in the garden, and there's one in the new Jerusalem. What will we do? What'll we be, what, what will it be like? I, I, read, I read Revelation 21, and I, and I got to this part where it says, and him, uh, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making all things new. Oh, gosh, it just, catch, it just takes your breath away. I'm going to make all things new. We used, there was an old song that said, this world is not my home, I'm only passing through. That's only half right. Because we're coming back to the earth. And he's going to restore. And if you wonder what heaven's like, don't close your eyes, look around. Next week I'll try and dis- discuss about the atmosphere in heaven. Well, what's been promised to us. The Bible actually talks about passing from this earth through death and eventually coming back to a restored earth. Genesis chapter 3 verse 17 says the earth is under a curse. So, it's, so as it stands, it's not really our home, but it is our home. There's not one of us have known a world without sadness and sin, but one awakes. One awaits where there'll be no pain and there'll be no sorrow. <clears throat> there'll be no death and there'll be no crying for the old world will be gone. Sometimes when I listen to an elk bugle or I look at the mountains, I go, oh gosh, I'm going to miss this. The fact is, this is just a, a, a hologram of what's to come. This is, this is just a temporal state. There's a new one that's being created that's much more beautiful, that's untainted, and it's completely restored. He's not going to make, he's going to make the, here's what, I'm restoring my basement. I, when I restored our kitchen, it was like the same kitchen, but it's like, whoa, way better. I, yesterday, we last two days, my father-in-law, we've been working in the basement uh, like a pair of m- groundhogs down there. And I, yesterday, I came up, and I go, oh, the sun's shining. I took off that mask, and I could breathe again. And I just thought it's probably going to be like that someday where we live in sort of a shadow, and we breathe kind of cursed air. But there's going to come a time where the air is going to be pure, and the sun is going to shine like it's never shone before. That's our eternal home. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, think of the new heaven and the new earth restored. Think of three different, three states, three, three different eras of mankind. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, which is the original state. Genesis 3 to Revelation 20, which is our current state. And then Genesis 21 and 22, which is our future state. Think of it generally like that. Think of the world that was revealed at the beginning and then the world we're in now that has been under, under decay, and then think of one that's restored. That's, these, these are the different states. Jesus ca- talks about himself as being the one who was, who is, and who is to come. For Adam and Eve, it'll be a coming home. They are the only one that's lived on three earths, unfallen, fallen, and finally the new one. <sighs> Peter said to Jesus, we've given up so much. Jesus says, no, 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 and you're, there's, there's a reward coming for everyone who's given up homes and money. There's a reward coming. 
And 1 Corinthians 3 says, everybody should take care how they build their fort. Jesus said in Matthew 5, rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven. He says you can actually store up treasures for yourself in heaven. And in 20, Genesis, Revelation 22, he says, behold, I'm coming soon and my reward is with me. We have every reason to look forward to great rewards. My last point, the hospitality of heaven. I think what I look forward to the most will be the stories. Every story will be finally told correctly. Every injustice will be, will be, will be, made, will be, will be made into a justice. <laughs> I believe that every story will be told right. The pastor who labored tirelessly, tirelessly, quietly praying day and night, ministering to the hurting, ministering to the broken, underpaid, underappreciated, will one day be vindicated. I want to be in the front row. I want to see the single moms who didn't give up on their kids. I want to see the woman that all her life faced dark days and long nights of depression because of chemical imbalances or trauma or misfortune, yet she clung to her faith fearlessly right till the end. One day it will balance out. I think of our image where he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's interesting, uh, an author noted he said, after World War II, when people came home, before World War II, people, the homes that were built used to have verandas on the front. After World War II, they, there's no longer verandas. People went from sitting in the front yard when people walked past and they'd visit with them and they'd share stories. Some would stop. You'd stop in and you'd visit. You'd sit in the veranda and talk and have some tea. And then you would go along your way and sometimes you'd walk and you'd stop. Though we don't know those days much anymore because we've retreated to our backyards. Here's what I think heaven will be like. We're going to have both a veranda and a backyard. I think there'll be times of lots of publicness and there'll be times of privateness that we'll have to enjoy all by ourselves. He's preparing an estate for you and I. Private. Stories. One of the great delights, I think, will be the stories. I think it's hard for us to think of bodies and souls' total restoration, but maybe you can think of it better in terms of our loved ones. Have you ever seen a young man trapped in a body that's racked with a terminal disease? Or the terror of a teenager's face that's been brutalized by sex trafficking? Or the hollow remains of a senior unable to think or to remember? Well, Isaiah 35 and verse 10 says, They will enter Zion singing, and everlasting joy will crown their heads. Think of the joy that will overtake us to see our loved ones who struggled with chronic pains or loss of limb or loss of life. When we feel our own creaky carcasses starting to stiffen up. That son or your daughter or your dear friend who fought internal battles day in and day out. I can only imagine seeing them free and alive and young again. I see so many. They gave up on themselves too early. They gave up on the, they not shared that hope. They couldn't, they couldn't quite see it. Darkness crept in and snuck, snuffed out the light. But one day, every woman's true beauty and every man's true, true strength will, be, will shine, untainted by the fallenness. How many times will we hear it in heaven at our conversations when we gather in our verandas and look at someone coming up to us and say, you look wonderful. Without, without, Gravity taking its toll on us and age and guilt and whatever else. You look amazing. This will be, be eternity for us. I have a picture of my grandfather and my family. My grandfather at a young age. Oh, that was him there. 
this was me and my dad, my sister, my mom. Uh, I am presently older than my grandfather was in that picture. My dad was young. My grandpa got his, uh, while he was farming, a tree caught him in the neck and he crushed his voice box. I never got to hear how grandpa, how, how, what his voice was like. But I remember the day that I came to Jesus and he was waiting at the back of the church. And he didn't say anything, he just hugged me. Someday I'll get to hug my grandpa again, that, that young pioneer, and he'll speak with a youthful, strong voice. A day is coming when these bodies, this mortality will take on immortality. I don't know if you can think of someone who's gone ahead of you. My dad wrote out some things on the last, while he was on his last days, and our local pastor had a recorder. And here's his words in his, he said, when I die, I want to say to my family, thanks for all the memories, but I'll be gone. And they know, they'll know not to worry about me because they'll know where I am. I'll be in heaven. And then, if you knew dad's humor, he said, I won't even be at my funeral. <laughs> There's times when I just wish dad was around because there's no one like him. And I'll wonder to myself, where, where, where did you go and why did you go so soon? But I have this great hope that someday I'll see him again. And we'll be in top form. And we'll visit. And we'll eat. And we'll be truly known. We won't be hindered by any form of sickness, any form of sorrow or sadness or death. And in my heart, I just can't wait to meet some people. I, miss, I just miss them. Death will lose its sting. It still has a sting but it'll lose its sting. Heaven is not a default destination. Hell is. You need to choose heaven. This morning, if you have not chosen heaven, I encourage you to choose heaven. Don't listen to the whisper that says, not now, I'm in no hurry, I can, any day I can make that decision. Don't listen to that lie. Today is the day. If you've not accepted Christ into your life as Savior and Lord, this morning's your morning. If you don't have assurance of salvation and eternity, this morning's your morning. We're going to stand, and as we stand, I'd invite you to come to the altar and just get eternity straightened out in your heart and your mind. We'll just sing that song again. We'll come to the altar, and let's all just stand. And then I'm going to close in prayer. I want to invite the prayer team to come forward. If you need assurance, you find, you find that in two places. You find it in the inner witness of your heart and in the Word of God. Heaven is simply a prayer way where you accept what Christ has done on your behalf. If you'd like to accept Christ or you want assurance of heaven, I want you to invite you to come now as we sing this song. Come to the altar.
That means this won't be our last visit if something happens. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful body we get to share your word with and worship together with. I thank you that you are revealing the things that you've prepared to us by, for us by your spirit. And this morning, I thank you for the truth of your word. I'd ask, Lord, that you would fix heaven within our thoughts. Let your word speak throughout this week, I pray, in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Through those doors walk citizens of heaven. God bless you. You're released. Go and change your world. Amen.